0: with a bang and it's post me having COVID, going to Bury Dorm, going to Tender and then trying to get this Andor review together but I finally have it and I have Benji Hunter joining me. Benji, how are you? I'm
1: good, thank you David, thank you very much for having me on the call again sorry i am
0: absolutely useless you no it's not it's, it's, it's not been To see the thing is right so I reached out and I, I've been sitting at Benji for weeks how's this day how's this day how's it right but I was trying to get like other people on with, like Ria I was going to get back and she's like David I need notice and I'm like Ria that's never been my game right? that's never been my style <laughs> like,
1: I'm like,
0: I got a text <laughs> last night at 9pm <laughs> no I'm like you've been an hour <laughs> like, yeah. um, and then I said to Tore, was like I was like I'm sure I was like Tori." Torres loves love Star Wars, and he's like, I'm like, come on, and he's like, mate, I hate to admit this, but I've not finished Andor. Wow. Yeah, and oh, I, do finished. you know, this was the point I wanted to bring this up, because I feel like, do you think, despite, and I don't know your opinions on the show, but I love the show, and I think a lot of people, and not even people, but Star Wars fans are still sleeping on it.
1: Yeah, it's weird, because I think it's the, it's weird, it's like the least Star Wars Hmm. Uh, storyline but the most star wars show i've ever seen as strange as that sounds but, yeah, i get you i get um, you. I loved it every second of it it's the most probably since the mandalorian engrossed i've been in a star wars show like excited um yeah. i know we'll discuss that later in the show but this one was one i was genuinely every week waiting for it to to be available to stream
0: 100 what were your thoughts because the thing that shocked me most about this and you can ask anyone right I have never been. I've warmed to over the years, but I've never been the biggest fan of Rogue One. And I don't know what it is about that movie. I've asked myself that many times, Benji. But like, what were your thoughts about Rogue One? And then uh, off the back of that, announcing an Andor show, where you hyped to begin with. So
1: it's it's strange. Rogue One. I remember going to see it in the cinema, and it's when mm. it, my interest in Star Wars had slightly died off a bit. But yeah. I did really enjoy it. And I feel like Rogue One was actually the catalyst to me getting back into Star Wars as much as I was. The the last scene of Rogue One, obviously, just brought it all back. Just them throwing in that (laughs) baby we at the end of Rogue
0: One.
1: I I had no way I was not excited about Andor's character. I didn't really like Jyn Erso. I just liked Mm -hmm. the movie as a whole. But when they announced Andor at the time, same as you, don't know why they're doing this this is strange but the closer it's got i've had that inclination that this might actually be really good like 100%. um but but yeah no i loved it and uh, I, I was a big fan of rogue one so uh, i guess it, it worked quite well with me
0: the thing is it was a uh, it's tony gilroy who served as the show runner for this so the behind the scenes of rogue one um he, tony gilroy basically had to take over the movie late on from gareth edwards it's been reported and rumored um, because um, Disney did not like what was happening with going originally. So to see him, I think this is basically confirmation of he helmed that movie to take One to the place it was, but this is the first time he was getting to see a Star Wars vision from beginning to end. Um, yeah. I, and I like, he, well, obviously Tony Galei wrote the Bourne movies, and I loved the Bourne movies growing up, like the action of those and how gritty and real they felt. And gritty and real is a word I would definitely use to describe Andor. Like the big thing for me that jumps out, we'll talk about the story and characters in a minute, but I thought it was a really welcome thing to get out of the volume. Like we've been with Mandalorian and stuff like that, and to get into like real world settings again and locations that felt sort of like more real, more earthy. Like, I don't know what you felt about that, but I I like the volume and I like what we've got with Mandalorian stuff so far. But this did feel like a different style of show than we've gotten up to this point.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree. Um, seeing the kind of NPC characters, in a way, <laughs> the, get, their, get their limelight, and they they all done fantastic. And it just, again, it's you have little snippets in The Mandalorian. I think there's a scene where it shows Din as a, as a young boy, and there's the droids, and it shows how menacing they are from a real mm. person's point of view, rather than a Jedi. Yeah. So I found, like, Andor was similar. It showed how menacing the Empire were. Like, yeah. even just Stormtroopers were, like, Stormtroopers. a last resort for... Um, kind of uh like crowd control and stuff so just 100%. showing how, how how different it was because we were just used to seeing somebody show up whip the lightsaber out and make them all look silly whereas this yeah. is just civilians having to deal with things without the force without the extras so yeah. it was
0: yeah i like that and it was also like even the tie fighter scene is the one that sticks with me like tie fighters you think oh it's these silly little ships that are going to get blown up by the rebels you know what i mean but yeah. see the scene where they're Flying overhead, and that sound sounded more menacing than it ever has. When you think, Oh, they could get caught here, you know,
1: absolutely. Like, even when a star destroyer comes over a planet, you think you just it's strange, like that. You never looked at it like this before because you yeah. always know the good guys will solve it. But mm-hmm. you look at it through the eyes of just like a civilian. Can you imagine kicking about through High Street, some <laughs> menacing ship, you know, it's a like panic, it's that like, you're watching it going. That these these
0: people aren't going to take that ship down. Like, no, 100%. This is, this, is, this is bad. I'd be running headfirst into Aldi. Really yeah. <laughs> over. Spare, spare Aldi. Yeah.
1: Um, there are supermarkets available.
0: Um, yeah, there are other supermarkets. <laughs> <one. laughs> but the the big thing, I think, about this is Diego go in as Andor, like, comes back. We talked about Rogue One. But even within Rogue One, I never saw this character as the standout. I thought he was good, but Diego Luna and the Showman just absolutely brings it from yeah. minute one to the the final moment of the final episode. Like, what did you think about his performance and also the character's arc throughout the season as well?
1: I, I loved his growth through in what was multiple arcs because mm. you just he, he goes when you actually think about it. I, when I was sitting before the show, looking at all the episodes and what had happened, his arc starts with obviously him trying to find his sister. and then him getting information and ending up working with um people um to kind of work in the early early embers of the the rebellion Mm. and then he's obviously into like different arcs further on like prison arcs and then kind of savior arcs towards it's just his growth through all of them was was brilliant he was obviously just a mercenary type guy at the start just trying to make his way make his money that was it. and he obviously grows into Kinda of nearly the hero we see in Rogue One, I guess, because he's still got some transformation to go through throughout Rogue One before he becomes that kind of martyr.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And it's it's a, like you say, it's like selfish selfishness to selflessness, and um, is what happens throughout this TV show. And I just I love as well how they don't try and sugarcoat them. Like the first episode, he straight up murders someone you know what I mean? <laughs> Within when, the first yeah, ten After minutes. attending a brothel, you're
1: like, yeah. is this Star Wars? <laughs> He's walked into a brothel and murdered two policemen. I'm thinking, I feel like I'm watching like some like
0: Channel 4 head yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> <And> this <laughs> <our>, is <this laughs> our hero. This is our yeah. hero. And I loved it. And I think, you bring up a good point because com- I'm not going to lie to I completely forgot about the sister thing. So obviously that's something that I think is going to come back um, in season two um i presume but how his motivation changes is really linked to the relationship to his um his adoptive mum uh marva uh played by and a lot of people will just know her as aunt petunia i think uh, from harry potter yeah Um, but the great fiona Shaw, i think out of all the performances out of all the characters in this show somehow she became my favorite i just think she is marvelous Marvelous is, and she starts off as this mum figure, just sort of tending to him, giving them advice. And then when the rebellion stuff comes up and what's interesting is she's the impetus for him to become this rebel leader, but she doesn't know that it was his heist that was the the, the sort of spark that got her back into the rebellion mindset as well. Cause it's only after um, they, they steal all that cash that she's like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm sick of the Empire, I'm going to get back into this. Like, it's a really weird dichotomy uh, sort of relationship between the two there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Marva, Marva was excellently played um, by Fiona Shaw. She just, as you say, she had growth herself, but you could always tell there was more to the character, I think. Mm. You could tell there was just something burning, and I know we'll probably work through this linearly through the series, <laughs> so probably have more to say about her towards yeah. the end of the call. Um, but there was a particular scene which I'll go into in more detail when we get to it that resonated with me personally and was very real world
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: but yeah, we'll get to that, loved
0: it 100% Um, another couple of characters I want to bring up before we do go through the show Stellan Skarsgård is Luthen. now he shows off, he's the the, the dealer uh, this contact um, that Bix has and you're just sort of like, who could this be? and see when it's Stellan Skarsgård that shows up I'm just like Oh, my fucking God. Like, I absolutely <laughs> just just love this, man. And my love for the character grows, because it's like you're talking about with the this, you're comparing it to a Channel 4 crime drama at the start and the Shades of Grey of uh, Diego Luna's character. That is basically Lufin's entire um, arc throughout the show. And what we learn about him is he is willing to live in the Shades of Grey so that the the light side can sort of prevail in the end. like He's talking about making sacrifices, he's talking about a lot of what he wants to do during this season is kill and or off. Well, like that, is, that becomes his prime motivation as the season progresses. But I, I loved playing with this Shades of Grey um, when we look at the origins of the Rebellion and what it takes to get the Rebellion off the ground. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I'm going to say something very controversial here about his character, Luthen. Hmm. He gives me... Early Palpatine vibes.
0: Mm, yeah. It's
1: strange. It shows how characters can exist on both sides of the coin. And yeah. it just reminds me of like Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, type Pal- Palpatine, and the mm. way that he people are expendable. He operates in the shadows and he's hiding obviously his real identity. And I'm thinking the way he dressed, the way the costume yeah. <laughs> artist done it, I don't know if they meant it, but if they did, I really appreciated it with the kind of hooded robes and stuff. And I just, yeah, and his has obviously split personality that really. he was, he was front, he had his front for his Coruscant friends yeah. and his front for the rebellion. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm not as much of a movie buff as you, so I only recognize them from Pirates of the Caribbean as Will Turner's dad. Surely,
0: <laughs> so, surely you've seen him in Mamma Mia. Surely you've seen Mamma Mia.
1: Oh, I think I've seen
0: it, but I don't know how much I actually <laughs> paid attention to it. Uh, Mad so Bill. Mad <laughs> Bill Mamma Mia. That's oh, uh, I remember... I watch what, it now and see it. It was my movie trivia days and it was the, the championship match I'm watching along and my pal Nick Harley's playing and he gets the question, who plays Bill and Mamma Mia? And I'm screaming at the stage, is <laughs> Steven <and> Scarsgård? Is <laughs> <laughs> Scarsgård answer the question? Um, but I just, I love him. And I think he's great in this show. His relationship with Forrest Whitaker's character... Um, why am I blanking in Forrest Sweater's crew why am I blanking in his name oh help me out Saw, Saw Gerrera, Saw Gerrera. <laughs> Saw Gerrera. <laughs> I always like oh my god why have I forgotten? <laughs> Saw's been in other stuff before <laughs> like, I should remember his name his relationship with him in this show like I think they only have maybe two scenes together in the end but some of the best sort of character work just sort of tennis match dialogue action I've seen in Star Wars I think
1: Yeah, definitely. Two characters that are obviously very different, but also share very mutual respect. They're they're both two radicals that are wanting the same end goal, they just have different ways of going about it. And you'd probably argue that Saw's slightly more brutal than Listen, but he's not far away with the way Listen obviously operates. Saw's just a lot more he will kill
0: you there and then if you're, if you're a problem. <laughs> Whereas listen, will maybe think about it tactically for five minutes and then kill you. And then kill you. Yeah, like he's ready to sort of kill Andor at the end, spoiler alert, but like, like you say, he thinks tactically about it. Like, can he be an asset? You know, and that's yeah. really the end of the day. Can I use you? He's using someone else. The last character to set up here, Mon Mothma. Uh, many boffins died to give us this information herself. Um, she is back. This is her origin. Her trying to sort of work in the shadows of the rebellion and I didn't think I was going to like her story early doors I'm not going to lie but see the more it went on like in the tension and will she sort of get caught and even though I know she's not going to get caught really you know what I mean <laughs> because I know how the story plays out I think that uh, Genevieve O'Reilly plays it really well and her story feels the least complete after season one I'm really interested to see where it goes next I don't know about you
1: yeah, yeah, she was. Um, I liked that they used the same actress. I really, I really did. Mm. Um, I did enjoy that because um, she has very, she has basically no parts in Revenge of the Sith other than extra deleted scenes, yeah. I think, and obviously Rogue One. And yeah, I just thought again, it's it's like real world stuff. It's looking at the politician that that maybe you perceive as the good one, uh, mm. and seeing obviously what they're doing to kind of overthrow the. The terrible government that they find themselves under um, yeah. and just even how she was operating with her family you could see that the empire had started to kind of indoctrinate itself on her husband and her daughter yeah and how how difficult that must have been um but she was she was excellent and i, I, I agree with you, i hope she's a, i hope she's even more involved as the kind of rebellion leader
0: leader and um mm. season two I, this is a big call and we'll get to get into things in a minute but like i genuinely and i don't know why i think this i think she's going off her husband in season two
1: I hope so, because they've built him very well <laughs> with this slimy, greasy man, and yes. yeah I th- maybe she won't do it, but I think she'll be privy to, maybe he'll be, I don't know I've had to surmise and throw some ideas for a storyboard, he'll be at some imperial event that they're targeting and she'll yeah. know it, and she'll oh. be fine with it and then,
0: I, don't oh, Benji. Know. I was it's thinking, just- I was thinking Morrie learned something, and rather than take the chance of him not seeing anything like, you just get a shot where it's maybe her sister Um, gun to the head, (laughs) brains out on the floor from behind. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. either way, I like your idea of like he dies as a sort of um, a sort of victim of one of their schemes, you know, collateral damage that would be amazing. Oh my god, see, this is just that's what the show does. The soul sets have so well, all these options, but like you see, we'll get into sort of the storyline and basically there's like four separate stories you can break this up into um, throughout the season so we get episodes 1, 2 and 3 are sort of kicking us off getting Andor um, sort of off his uh, home planet um, so uh, we talked about the opening kills a guy um, and this brings him into the crosshairs um, of the sort of Imperial like, police force there the security team um, who are now, sort of hot in his tail, um, when he goes back to Canary, um, it's Cyril Carn, who is the deputy inspector um, for that area. Um, he it's for the pre motor Authority. It's a corporate sort of trade sector branch of the empire. It's very complicated, very bureaucratic, very, like, like I was, see, when they first did it, I was like, why? But then I sort of understood it as a sort of, maybe it's a metaphor for privatisation. I don't know. We'll just like, when you see, but basically the whole first um, three episodes are about Andor trying to sort of escape this murder that he's committed, uh, um, that he's done, there on his tail and then eventually ends to the shootout where Bix gets him in contact with Lothan and they manage to sort of shoot their way out of this abandoned factory um, before um, Andor is sort of sent in his way to do his mission um, and at the end of all of this um, we see that um, our um, Cyril is sort of demoted and fired as a result of it, which leaves him with a a burning hatred of Andor. Now, this first sort of three-episode arc, like, what did you make of it? Do you remember, is there any characters we haven't touched on so far that you're fond of when we first got to Canary? What did you make of Canary as a home planet? Like, what were your thoughts in this first sort of uh, quarter of the show? So...
1: I did think it was slow at first. I was similar to you, wondering why we had this little bureaucratic kind of Dwight Schrute type character. (laughs) It is Dwight Schrute. I am the the assistant to the regional manager. Oh my God, and Uh, she's Angela.
0: We'll get to her in a bit. uh, Yeah, it was Angela, (laughs) yep. Uh,
1: So that's the vibes I got. And I was like, I really dislike this guy. He reminds me of every middle manager I've ever had in my life. Um, And then I realised, I was like, but he's actually quite good. He's making me dislike him. That's Mm. what this is supposed to be doing. Okay, hopefully he dies later. Yeah. Um, that, was, that was my thoughts. Um, so you know, I really enjoyed the kind of pursuit and just like this guy, this pencil pushing office guy, getting so obsessed, thinking this is my moment. This is if I do this, I'll get recognised. Because that's what yeah. all these empire sympathists were um, keen for was recognition. Um, I liked the I liked kind of introduction of Bix and uh, the guy Tim. Uh, that obviously he didn't he didn't last too long
0: no Tim's
1: but fucked <laughs> I've been dying to throw in a fun fact for you about this So,
0: right.
1: two fun facts Tim was played by James McArdle. Okay. he also played a pilot in Force Awakens called Nevlek mm. um, the reason I know this is because I worked with James's dad in Renfrew at Babcock
0: and, Wow. Uh,
1: he told me back in 2015 that his son was in the new Star Wars film and I was much younger I was buzzing I was thinking wow who is he didn't even yeah. know it was some. He was some pilot, yeah. um, but I just thought it was funny they had the same guy back. And uh, yeah, he died quickly But the guy's from like Renfrew, <laughs> so yeah, that's he's
0: crazy.
1: Throwing, throwing in this guy is—he's he's a Scottish actor. He's, he's local, and uh, I know his dad, also called James. Um, oh, but, mate, now,
0: uh, I need, now I need to get him the show in 2023. Worst that's, name drop ever. <laughs> I know <laughs> no, the landlord that died in two I, episodes. Um, I love but, it, he's the Renfrew man. Something
1: like that. His dad definitely worked in Renfrew, but I'm sure he's from local um, nice. uh, and he's a Celtic fan, so we'll take that to I love that, uh, I love that. Love our one uh, so sorry, much. Back to the series, uh, that's me got my little bit in there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, I like that also. I can't, sorry, you, you dropped his name earlier, the other kind of officer that worked with Cyril. Um, oh, the
0: wee Scottish guy.
1: The wee Scottish. He was. Good he was just. He was about <laughs> mental. It was about humour that I think the show needed. The yeah. show was very dark, very quick, very kind of serious. And I just yeah. think having these stupid characters. Star Wars always oh, has stupid characters. Like let's be honest, we've had Jar Jar Binks. You know we've had um, oh, what's the wee guy in, in the the sequel trilogy? The wee small tiny guy that's going to be back. I can't oh, remember Babu Frick. Babu Frick, uh, Yeah, we've yeah. had him. So I like this kind of stupid goofy Scottish guy. that's yeah. in Sweden. They Alex Ferrand is his time. name. Alex he was uh,
0: he was on extenders in the early two thousands right. as a villain. So okay. and I can see that. I can see yeah. it even though he's not as menacing in this show. Like mm-hmm. you say, a lot of the time it's comic relief that we're getting <laughs> out of. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um
1: yeah, but he was good and uh, yeah, I just, just liked how that was building. But I feel like they shut the door quite quickly on that arc because they then obviously they start yeah. moving back to um, the other plan, they leave Phoenix, obviously. Um, yeah. And he goes away with listen and meets the team. And uh, on was it Canary? Yeah, Canary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, liked that aspect. Thought that was cool—the kind of underground operation they had going on there. Um, characters being very standoffish,
0: and it, it showed. It was like reflections of listen and other mm-hmm. people. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nice. Well, they go to this last the the next stage, as we called it, um, and Andor is basically told, "Look, this is your mission." Um, you're going to be meeting up with the the leader, who's Vel. Don't tell them what you're doing. And for a couple of episodes before the heist, it's them sort of planning this mission. Um, it's Vel telling them, like, your, your new name's Clem. Like, try and settle in. Don't rock the boat too much. Um, but this is really tense as we go through it, um, because it's really him clashing with the other members of the group like you've got this sort of young idealistic guy who's writing his manifesto you've got the the guy who's saying he's there because of his brother's farm you've got the the inside man as well um who's really the one who's given them access and um, to the facility um but during all of this is really also where we meet dedra for the first time who's trying to sort of impose herself over what happened on Ferex and trying to sort of take control of it because she's starting to see connections between the sort of seemingly random rebel activities that are going on. So just when we, we look at this arc as a whole, what did you think about the characters introduced? Your first maybe thoughts on Vel as well and away from the heist, Dedra coming in as a villain. Did Were you fond of her from the get-go?
1: Yeah, um, so... Touching on Dedra first, I think she she completely epitomised what you would expect an Imperial officer to be like.
0: Mm, and awesome. also
1: Angela from the office. She's
0: Angela.
1: <laughs> there are rules if she had a party planning committee, it would be no fun, all grey and white. <laughs> oh, like, um, yeah. But no, Dedra was excellent, uh, very well played. Um, I just thought that the image that they, they kind of pulled back hair, the, the collar, like stiffly, you could barely see her face type thing. Mm. Uh, and just just the way she kind of carried herself, and it showed the inner politics of uh, the imperial garrisons as well. Like all these officers just trying to again get that approval from the superiors. That obsession with a little pat in the back, or yeah. maybe a wee text to Palpatine saying "good job, pal." Mm. Um, it was it was it was good to see. But obviously, as she started to unearth, Andor was nothing to her at, when she yeah. first introduced. It's just some rebel guy, and obviously by the end, she's she's quite invested um vel and the team uh, i can't remember everyone's name vel's the only one that really sticks out to me
0: yeah
1: uh, but i did i think when i when she was first introduced i thought oh, they're a bit harsh they're being a bit ridiculous but as mm. the time goes on and as the, the events kind of um occur and the episodes to follow you start to notice why they're so untrusting the people and why they're so concerned because this is this fight the finance uh whatever yeah. they're, that they're targeting for the heist i know we've not got to that yet but the finance yeah. and the, the rewards they are looking at there. Are essentially the phoenix for the rebellion. That's mm. so rebellions need need finance. And I think that's this what you'll probably move on to next, this heist was extremely important to this happening.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you talked talked about Veil there. The reason that I didn't walk through it at first, I think it's because she played the waif in Game of Thrones, um, who are despised. Um so <laughs> it's like I instantly must have just had this like notion that I'm like, I don't like you. I yeah. really don't like you. But um I actually liked her more when we saw her off of this planet and off of this heist, like when it's revealed that oh, she's Mon's um, sister or cousin. Um, um, she comes in and, like Lufin, she has this double life and this sort of other personality. And I'm like, okay, I see what's going on here. I respect that you're good at your job in this in this rebellion. But and talk about Shades of Grey ends with the heist. And another thing we're going to see when we get back um when we get back eventually to um to ferrix is this sort of culture war the empire's raging on like they're letting the people have this sort of last religious ceremony but they're saying behind the scenes oh this will be the last year of it sort of thing you know what i mean and again it's just one of those things talking about the tools of oppression and seeing it from a sort of different lens the the, the evils that the empire will inflict is that they're willing to sort of take over this sort of religious space just to suit their own means, even though they probably could do it somewhere else. You know what I mean? It doesn't really matter to them. Um, But I love the end of this as well, because talk about the Shades of Vain rebellion. um, Eventually it's Skeen, who's the guy who said it was about his brother and stuff like that was the reason why he got in. Um, He's basically like, look, no, I don't really care about that. I don't really believe in this. Like, I was just into getting the money for myself. Um, and tries to sort of go off with the payroll, but before Cassian kills him, and again, it's just showing how a darkness can infiltrate the rebellion as well. I don't know how you felt about that twist in the end.
1: Yeah, I feel like I didn't trust his character from the start. I felt mm. that he just, he was just a bit wiry for my liking. Yeah. Um, but the whole, the whole heist and the lead up to that point, you're right. It just, it shows how, how in its infancy, the rebellion was. I mean, I think they really tried to portray it was like wooden huts and sticks and and like six people essentially. Mm. And then the rebellion we know is this like X-wing flying, like they've got their own fleet, they've got everything. Yeah. So it just shows the humble beginnings that it came from. Um, but Skene's character, I just, I, I just felt he was too trusting of Andor um, for the majority of the kind of lead up to the heist, apart from when they obviously found the Kyber necklace on him. Um, but it just to me he just seemed like he was trying to build a rapport with the new guy to yeah. get off the, the old team. He didn't seem particularly fussed um, when that young boy that was part of the team died. Yeah, yeah. um whose name eludes me. But no. he just he just kinda got he was the only one that didn't really seem affected. It was as if good that's one taken care of, just got to get rid of the other.
0: Yeah, like like, like Joker at Started Dark Knight sort of thing. It's like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I killed the basically. bus driver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bus driver. Um episode seven is sort of like the lead into to the next story but I think it has the scene you're talking about uh, that we spoke of earlier but we get a quite a bit of development for some of the sort of more side characters here and um, Dedra really has that speech in the room where she like she's challenged on that like, you broke protocol by Blevin, I think it is the other the other guy who's like don't try and take my territory try and take my turf and she gives this big speech about how this is what's happening i know what's happening i know i'm good at my job and eventually gets it and i don't know why i feel happy for her <laughs> like i didn't feel happy for her that she's managed to get through but i was just sort of like yeah good on you <laughs> like fuck that guy like i don't like you you're clearly evil and insane but like well and you for standing your ground Um, we get Luffin's assistant claire who i think will probably play a bigger part in season two talking to val and um, this is where mon mothma starts doing the banking and stuff like that but we get um Cassie and go back to Ferex to basically try and convince Marva to come with him. And we get that speech where she's saying, No, like I need to try and oppose the rebellion here and she talks about how um like he'll miss it every day and she's saying, Well, that's love and stuff like that. It's a brilliant, brilliant speech. Was this the scene where Marva you were talking about earlier on?
1: Um the speech right at the end.
0: No, no, we'll no, get to that. No, no, no uh, get to so that, yeah, then. that
1: was that was the, the this was the warm up for that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I did enjoy that you're starting to see that see that this Brabelli side come out, Obviously, the, the lessons she's taught Andor are starting to disappear. because yeah. he's yeah. obviously learned to not get too involved from someone, mm. and it's obviously got to be his his adoptive mother. Yeah. Um. So I think it's nice because he's starting to notice the change in her, and yeah. he doesn't like it, obviously um and this is obviously the lead up to obviously what you mentioned with dedra um yeah you're right i think they do it quite well that they show so many different kind of side characters mm. um side quests even that you yeah. know, start to build a hierarchy in your head of who you want to win before they all ultimately come together um but uh, then obviously leading into they've done their heist and or again he's, he's went back he said no i'm not interested i'm away on a lads' holiday by myself to nyamos and they play that green tune <laughs> A great tune that I listen to in the car sometimes. It's um, yeah. a lounge mix or something. Um, <laughs>
0: Fantastic.
1: And it's all completely flipped on its head. I'm thinking, right, this is interesting. Okay, yeah. so he started in a brothel. Now he's on mm-hmm. a lad's holiday. Like, Am I watching yeah. like Sunsex and Suspicious Parents? Or am I watching a Star Wars <laughs> show? And thankfully, obviously, it was, was, was short-lived. Because um, I, I found that art completely pointless. The Yamos, 10 minutes. I, I just didn't like it, personally. Yeah. I thought, why are we here? What is this like? Yeah. It's not on the tune. It was a waste of time for me. That oh, a good uh, t- Is
0: this finally getting to get into ADB, Wasn't it? Um, basically,
1: basically. It, it was a connector. This is sorry. This is me thinking at the time. I'm watching it, thinking what. And then when obviously the um, the K two droids come in and the short triples are there, I'm thinking, great, okay, we're back to Star Wars. We're not watching yeah. Andor.
0: Like, like the k K2 Droid came in and I was like, I'm thr- This has to be a K2 so I'll probably yeah. will be. Probably just be some other K2 droid. Um but he's gets in a kangaroo court, sentenced to prison for six years, and then we get the prison episodes, which were really where the series for me became okay, now I'm considering this to be really, really top tier. Like yeah. I love this entire arc. And there's one reason I love this entire arc, and it was because of Andy Serkis, he plays Kino Loy, who's the sort of, we talk about the middle manager, he's, the, he's a prisoner, but he's the floor manager uh, yeah. in that sort of factory that they're in, and I just thought, like, give him give him another go around at Star Wars after Snoke and the sort of disappointment of that character, like, Andy Serkis was terrific here, I thought.
1: He was unbelievable. I hated him straight away. And I love Andy Circus and every yeah. character he's played. I normally hate every character, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, And he was just great. He's the type of guy that asks you why you've taken an extra five minutes for your lunch break. He yeah. takes notes when you get caught in traffic and make it in late to work. Yeah. He h- hit the character excellently. Just mm-hmm. total martial kind of law. It reminded me of, actually, it's maybe It's maybe extremely controversial, but you remember, it's, it's like a back to actual today's history and during during the second world war and like Mm. holocaust and stuff yeah um, there was a lot of jewish people appointed as like foremen yeah for for the obviously the captives and the camps and i think it was that kind of character you're thinking you're you're voting for your own demise you know it was like a turkey voting for christmas which you obviously realized eventually but you just think get get your head you're not you're not one of them you're not Mm -hmm. part of this regime you are a prisoner just because they've given you a stick to hit people with keep everyone yeah. in line it's not it's doing nothing for you
0: and i think andor helped him realize that a hundred percent and that's that's the beauty of the arc here isn't it you i think you've you've said that perfectly and um, because that is basically what happens with anti circus and it takes the the older prisoner basically Anti the is like can't you save him?" and he's like no no it's basically not policy like we're just going to put them down you know then yeah. I mean, here, here and there and and so like, but he's out in a couple of days and eventually they realise that they're never getting out they're just sort of taking to another level and I yeah. think w- what's darker for me is that you're talking about making your own device We eventually learn that the parts they're making um, and the very end scene post credits of the show um, are parts for the Death Star Yeah, and they end up as well so very much the, the makers of their own device but they get out of the prison, the action in that scene is great as well, it's really really good um, and throughout this arc, we get that weird relationship start to develop between Dedra and Cyril which I hate. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I really, strange. I really hope she offs awesome him because she's she's no. like I say about Deadra, she's evil, very good villain, but he's a stalker. He is a he is crazy. yeah. He's, <laughs> he's a fantasist.
1: Um, you know, while while we compare them to Dwight and Angela, they um, they were at least mutually exclusive. Yeah. cyril's just forcing himself on on this woman and it's a bit strange 100%. i didn't i didn't like it and i agree with you i kind of hope that he gets off in the, the next season
0: yeah 100 percent. and she just says no nah, like get you to fuck but yeah eventually andor gets out we get one of the few the one complaint i have about this show maybe not enough aliens and there are times it's out too human for star wars yeah it's, it's the only thing i would say but we get back and we learn marvel's dead and we're getting the the lead up and this is everything that we've led to all the characters are showing up, Lufin's coming to Ferex um, we have Dedra is now on Ferex she's kidnapped Bix and we get the, the cruel torture scenes with the sort of crying alien babies or something and oh god, I was like no don't, I don't like that at all yeah. but, uh, she's basically letting them have the funeral, tell them this time and this time and really setting the ground rules for it Andor's back on on side, you have Val and her girlfriend looking out for him um, as well, but we get this act of rebellion at this point, where the people decide, no, we're not going to hold the funeral on your terms, we're going to do it when we want to. And they sort of march through the streets early, and I just loved that visual loved that visual of the marching band walking down the street and then it was led followed by what you were talking about earlier marva's speech that she gives at the end if you want to take the chance benji to to now talk about this speech unbelievable
1: you know the speech <laughs> i think the fact that it was a hologram filmed from someone who had just died was big you don't yeah. see that kind of thing you imagine if you'd have, if someone's passed away and they yeah. leave the leave of a deal, it's more yeah. powerful because they're gone, yeah. and this is you're seeing this because they're, they're gone now, and, and they're wanting to tell you. And I think she speaks quite well. She obviously hails to the roots of Ferrex, but the important thing to me is, is the kind of again, I feel like it's coming back to real world world antics in a way because mm. she really, she really highlights that everyone there thinks that they're free, thinks that that their life's how how they want it to be and progressing as they'd like, mm. but the regime that's controlling them has no care for them. There's no yeah. interest in how they're doing, what they're doing. It's, it's it's a purely output mentality. They want them to produce things for the Empire, pay their mm-hmm. taxes and that's that. There's not nothing's getting better. And I think yeah. Andor uh, Andor and sorry, Marva done quite well in the way that with the way that was portrayed, the kind of emotion that, that, that um they put in our voice through our shop put in our voice mm. with the I know it's it's easy for a dead person to tell you what to do, but if I was still drawing bread, breath I would take it to these bastards. And the way she said it, bastards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was ready for grabbing a ladle for the kitchen and running. <laughs> you know, I was, I was thinking, you know what, yeah. this is a joke. We're just sitting here and allowing this to happen and, and ready to go. So genuinely, yeah. it, was, it was a great scene from that point of view. I feel like it's it it, very, very real. And yeah. um, and then obviously Empire, immediately they think, nope, that is, that is uh, anti-Empire propaganda. They're over, they've tried to, they've shoved B2 over and mm-hmm. just even shoving over, at, it's as if they were pushing Marva, not the drawing, yeah, but were pushing yeah. Marva, and you yeah. just see the res, how it resonates with everyone, and they've all just listened, took a message, and the chaos
0: ensues. Brilliant. 100%. It's brilliant, man, and uh, you put it brilliantly there as well, I think, and we obviously, we get wrapping up with several stories in these episodes as well, we obviously get Lutheran and saw, because yeah, I saw earlier, hey, can you go and help out with this attack, and so I was like, nah, I don't really see it, and then, Obviously, L- Lufthun's leaked the, the plans of this attack to ISB because he has an inside man there. And then Saw decides, yeah, yeah, I'm actually going to go and help Krieger. Uh, like I'm going to go and do that. So they then have that really intense stare down. And I thought that was great. Like the, the, the presence of Anton Krieger, even though we never meet him, never will in this show, was really felt like as a symbol um, of what Lufthun is willing to do and Saw is willing to do and they end up to get this happening. Uh, Mothma marries her daughter off <laughs> to a gangster's son, <laughs> which is not the way I saw that storyline going, but again, it no. shows what she's willing to do uh, to make the Empire a success and to cover her own tracks, and they end up. And like we talked about, it ends up with Luther ready to kill Cassian, but Cassian, they end up probably seeing that speech, um, is ready to... You know, offer himself to the rebellion so Benji with all that in mind I want to bring us to a sort of final question here to, to finish us off today, is Andor the best Star Wars TV show to this point? No. No?
1: I thought it was but Mandalorian still edges it for me
0: Right, okay Ex- explain go for it.
1: So I did think it was when I was first watching Andor I mm-hmm. felt like I was thinking this. this is the greatest Star Wars I've ever seen yeah. And then I took a step back and I thought, no, it's not. It's fantastic, Star Wars. It, mm-hmm. it bettered Obi-Wan Kenobi. I hate yeah. to say it. But yeah. I don't know if it was the hype around Obi-Wan Kenobi that ruined it for me or whatever. Obi-Wan Kenobi was a great show. But mm-hmm. Andor was a very well done show that I think mm-hmm. I think if you aren't a Star Wars fan, you could watch Andor. And
0: yeah.
1: it. Mm-hmm. I think if you aren't a Star Wars fan and watched Obi-Wan Kenobi or any of the movies, you, I can see maybe why it's not your bag. But yeah. it's probably the most... Wide audience Star Wars show, I'd say it's probably the one that will get the best ratings because people will get that a chance. Mm-hmm. But I just Hopefully. For me, the devout Star Wars fan, a sad act, whatever you want to call it, The Mandalorian mm-hmm. still completely edges it for me, just in the way that some of the scenes in that have made me yeah. feel and how it's how it's really brought me back into Star Wars since it came out in 2019. Yeah. Um, that's that's my take on it, personally,
0: but a fantastic show. Oh, yeah, I think the reason we disagree, because I'm going to go out on a and say... Just, and like this is a toss-up, just andor would edge it for me, uh, The Mandalorian. And I think it's because of actually what you said, the accessibility of it and not being sort of betrothed to what's come before. Like Mandalorian, I think season one, its strength was this was a really accessible show because it was just a gunslinger going through the desert week to week different places protecting this baby, protecting this child and getting caught up in different things. And the reason that I'm so hyped for, I was so hyped in season two, and I think you were so hyped in season two as well, is that we got all of these plot lines that we know coming back in. A Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, Luke Skywalker, you know what I mean? Boba Fett. All of yeah. these Star Wars icons coming out of this big melting pot, and you're just like, oh, that's brilliant. But I also think in terms of a cohesive story in a standalone season, it's maybe what lets it down in that sense, just if I'm trying to be objective about it, compared to Andor and the themes and the acting and even the locations, like I talked about, of this show. And maybe it is to do with expectations. You're saying Obi-Wan going in with high expectations, maybe that's what let it down for a lot of people. Maybe for this with me, subjectively, it's the low expectations I had for Andor that have led me to be more buzzing about it, if that makes any sense whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it was just uh, more real. I completely understand what you're saying. I, I honestly, I've swithered back and forward about what was my favourite, and I think until you asked me the question, I couldn't fully make my decision. But yeah. you're right, Andor didn't have a lot of filler. Things like yeah. The Mandalorian lean on their big moments. So mm. I remember watching season two of The Mandalorian and thinking that was a bit of a filler episode, so was that, so was that, but then yeah. your big moments, your Boba Fett, your Luke Skywalkers, they just bring it all back, the fan service, I'm too susceptible to it, I cannot be yeah. unbiased. Yeah, exactly. Any kind of old Star Wars reference, and I am cog a hoop, buzzing. Uh, ah, same way i way, I was hopeful for it, I did think this could be excellent, like this, this really does have the makings to be excellent, but I just wasn't as invested, yeah. uh, and I think that's why I enjoyed it so much, but I, I just, I think I'll always fall back on the, the Star Wars lore as, uh, yeah.
0: as edging it for me. Well, more Star Wars coming out next year. We have uh, Bad Batch will be the first thing to hit. Um, and then I think we're getting uh, Mandalorian Season 3 as well. I think Ahsoka's the tail end of the year, so we've got a lot coming out. There's a lot happening uh, in terms of Star Wars, um, but we'll just need to see with that. And Benji, thank you very much for joining me today. appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Enjoy so obviously christmas period i'll do a wee quick review of wednesday um at some point for everyone which is a show i did not think i would enjoy as much as i did a bit like andor so i would love to to, uh, chat to you about that we will be getting a mount rushmore of modern comedies coming out as well um and also a top 10 movie list of the year benji do you have a favorite movie of the year movie of the year yeah
1: oh dear You've really put me on the spot here. I have, I have. I'm going to give you an absolutely terrible one because I can only remember the last film I went to see in the cinema, right? Right. So it's completely off. It's not like the best movie in the world. It's like (laughs) a a new Christmas staple film to go up with Home Alone. uh,
0: Right. Okay.
1: uh, Everything else. Four Christmases.
0: Four Christmases. Whatever. Spirited. Right, we're fair.
1: We're not in any way, like any kind of cinematic excellence. Okay, right, but it's okay. just—it's the last film I can remember in my head going to see in the cinema. I went, and it was an absolute spoof of like a musical. But I, think, I think Spirited is going to become a uh, part of the staple diet of Christmas films nice. in December.
0: I'll, uh, so I'll throw
1: that, and you'll be able to hit me with a much better film. But I'm sorry, <laughs> I only really like Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, <laughs> so I'm really bad.
0: That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that is fair. Oh, listen. Go and check out Spotted if you haven't already. But until until next time, it's goodbye for me and for Benji. See you later.